It all started with a very simple idea. Tell the stories of how successful middle market CEOs made it to the corner office. I'm Brand Handley, founder and managing director of Resource Options International, or ROI. We're the USA's premier executive search firm focused exclusively on empowering middle market companies to attract, hire, and retain A players while transforming top executives' careers and lives. ROI's Into the Corner office is dedicated to discovering how middle market CEOs advance their career, and we're making these remarkable and sometimes quite unbelievable stories available to you for the very first time. Listen and learn about the challenges they've overcome, the interesting people they've met along the way, and the lessons learned that steered these executives' unique journey into a middle market corner office of their own. I know you enjoy these CEO stories as much as I've enjoyed recording them. So thank you for listening today. And if you like what you've heard, rate us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm looking forward to you joining me on the next great middle market CEO adventure into the corner office. My guest today is Tom Gardner, founder, CEO, and chief stewarding officer of Hay Creek Companies. Tom and his wife Janine and their four sons live in Pittsville, Wisconsin, and Hay Creek started as a trucking company when Tom started out as a one-truck owner-operator in 1985. He soon became a multi-truck trucking company and then evolved into a pallet company in 2000. The company's next step was into new pallet manufacturing and pallet recycling, along with colored landscape mulch and wood fuel pellets, which is made from the waste system generated from the pallet recycling operation. Along with that, Tom also operates Hay Creek Cranberry and partnering with his brother Butch, operates Gardner Cranberry and Badger State Fruit Processing. Tom Gardner, welcome into the corner office. Thank you, Brent. Wow, it's great to have you here, Tom. And, you know, we just had a chance to chat a little bit, but we spoke, uh, gosh, about three or four weeks ago as we were preparing for this. I know that you've been some through some turbulent times with computer problems and issue, but, you know, overall, how are you holding up? We're, we're recording this just a few days before Thanksgiving, for which we're so grateful. But uh, with the pandemic and all the other things that have been happening this year, how are you and your family and all your colleagues at Hay Creek doing? We're, we're actually doing very well. Uh, we had a little slowdown mm. in business this summer, but uh, typically our third quarter or our fourth quarter is our busiest. Our third quarter is our slowest. Right. And so we go from kind of idling and plugging along to wide open throttle. And it's uh, it's been good. Um, the pandemic has brought challenges, but it's also brought a lot mm. of opportunity. So that's been good. Yeah, in many ways, you're an essential industry, right? I mean, you're part of the transportation hub and logistics for so many companies. We'll, we'll get into talking to Hay Creek a little bit later. But did you have any kind of a shutdown early on, or were you guys pretty much operating all the way through the pandemic? We've been operating all the way through. Uh, we've had uh, right. the COVID has come, kind of seems to be coming closer to home. Matter of fact, one of my sons um, got the virus here a few weeks ago. He was oh. off to college and got right. tested, but you know, we've had a few people out, but uh, yeah, we're an essential business. We're the we're the head of the supply chain when it everything in in right. uh, in our world moves on pallets, and so we've been we've been blessed to be a to be a part of that and to continue working all the way through. 
That's awesome. Well, my prayers for for your children. I know the younger folks tend to uh, suffer this thing a little bit easier. My daughter actually was diagnosed just last week um, and, you know, was sick for the first couple of days, but seems to be uh, recovering. And gosh, it's just really starting to hit home. And I think that's going to continue to increase, but we'll continue to pray for those that uh, are ill and sick and those, of course, that are grieving, those that have lost. But onto a happier subject, let's talk about you. And we always like to kind of start with your early years. Tell us a little bit about where you grew up and what your early family life was like, Tom. Well, I've been in central Wisconsin all my my life. Uh, Grew up on a farm. Uh, Had Mm. a lot of opportunities growing up on the farm. Most of them were to work. we uh <laughs> that I seems had, to go uh, with the territory i think right <laughs> it does it sure does it sure yeah. does and i love to work and i love the farm and uh um so we had you know had different things going on we had cattle we had hogs we had milk cows mm. uh, of course we had the field crops all of that stuff um later on we got into the cranberry business in which i'm still in uh growing cranberries mm. um in a, in a pretty big yeah. way with my brother um, I had one, I have one brother and I had five sisters and the one thing oh that kind of rocked the family was when my folks got a divorce when I was in junior high mm. and it, um, yeah. uh, really kind of, um, hit hard <clears throat> in the family. Yeah. The one thing that it, I always compare it to is like a bomb went off and there was a lot of carnage. Sure. And so there's <clears throat> a lot of, a lot of stuff going on. But through it all, I got to see God's hand at work because my father Mm. remarried a widow that had five kids. And when her husband died, her oldest Ah. of five was nine years old. And so she was a farmer at at the time, had a fairly large farm, 100 cows and and 400 acres. And she um, stepped into that um, and took on the challenge. And she was concerned about losing the cows because if she lost the cows, she lost the farm. And so it was a, right. uh, a big, a big step, but, uh, more importantly, um, she, uh, led my father to the Lord, which mm. <laughs> changed, wow. changed his life. Um, her priorities were, um, basically God, her children and the farm. And so yeah. I, I got to see that modeled and of course, that mm. was outside the norm for me. I had no understanding of what. What age? What? How old were you, Tom, at that time? Were you I was high uh, or high 13, 13. 13, Yeah. Wow. Very influential years. Yeah. And then, did you go back and forth? Did Did you spend some time with dad as well as some time with mom? Yeah. Um, I basically um, saw my mother on the weekends, so I had right. moved, uh, stayed on the farm. Of course. I, I I remember getting taken off the farm and that lasted for about a week. I mean, that was a nice break. <laughs> so I looked at it at the time from, yeah. uh, from the farm, but I just, <laughs> I really missed, I didn't have any other purpose, but to be working and, and, you know, growing up on a farm, you had so many opportunities to run equipment and you had responsibilities right. at a very young age that you normally wouldn't have, um, not being on a farm. And so I missed that. And so I went, uh, so there was um, half of the family that was grown and, and basically gone and kind of on their own. And then there was uh, my, my two younger sisters. So it was me and two younger sisters mm. that um, got to decide where we wanted to go to live. 
Right. And so I decided right. I picked right. the farm, of course, and my next uh, younger yeah. sister um, also decided to go to the farm. And my youngest sister stayed with my mom. And of course, my mom uh, mm-hmm. remarried. Uh, but the my my sister Nancy and I were on the farm. You're a lot closer, yeah. So was your was it your stepmom who actually led you to Christ, uh, Tom, or or just kind of her influence and you know going to church and kind of picking up that thread? Um, no, it wasn't her. She she was a, a powerful influence in my father's life, and so I saw that right. influence. And I actually didn't come yeah. to the Lord um, till some years later when I was out of school. Um, I had a tremendous right. amount of uh, influence by friends and by uh, uh, pastors and, you know, influence that I really um, didn't embrace at the time. I had a great mm. bunch of kids I went to school with that invited me to church camp, invited me to Awana. Yeah. And even though we had attended church a lot a, for a long time, I really had no relationship. There was a pastor that came to stay at our house that was actually from India. And I, I, you know, this, wow. and later in, in the story, we'll get to that <clears throat> and the influence that that had on my life at, in a later, later years. But, um, really, uh, uh, you know, I had a lot of great influencers and even, even my father said, yeah. you know, at that time, you know, Tom, you're forming your habits for life at this young age. Mm. And I had some great teachers, um, Along the way, I just I remember one junior high teacher, Mr. Jiraki, and he was a, a my seventh grade science teacher, and just a, so much life lessons um, that came mm. at, at those formidable years that really had an effect on me, uh, even to this day. That's awesome. Were you a good student in school, Tom? Um, there was one thing that I wanted out of school, and that was me. <laughs> I was a terrible student. <laughs> um, to get went, out, right? Yeah, that's right. That's right. I mean, any any chance that I got to get out of school to work, I was out. And that that was from yeah, junior high yeah. all the way through high school. I was, at best, a right. C student. If I got a B on re- my report card, I was ecstatic. And if I was anything <laughs> above a D minus, <laughs> I was also ecstatic. So, yeah, there, I was not a good student. Other than work, were there other things you were involved with, you know, sports or music, theater, you know, were there other stuff that uh, distracted you during those years or, or pretty much out of school and back to back to the farm or elsewhere? Not really. Um, I had, you know, like I wasn't necessarily, I uh, was a, a kind of a skinny, scrawny kid and I really didn't fit into the athletic picture very well. Um, I, I running, running equipment and being on the farm and working was really my life. Yeah. I, I had to, you know, I got yeah. in, I got the chance to go to to church camp. I I saw other kids uh, being led to Christ. I really didn't understand that. Didn't know what that was about. Um, mm. But it, at that time, it was having an impression on me. I, I, you know, I got along good with my with the kids in school. I remember getting taken out in the hall by one of my teachers at in uh, seventh grade. Matter of fact, it was Mr. Jarrock, and he said, "You know, Tom, you're a good kid." But you're hanging around with people that aren't necessarily <laughs> a good influence in your life, <laughs> and so right, that right. was, uh, that, you know, that that really made me think about who I was hanging around with and why and what direction um, I was going with with all with my life and 
and how much in later years, how much that would have an influence on, you know, uh, you know, having a good, having a good peer group and having uh, a good, uh, you know, solid grounded people influencing your life. Right. Makes so much sense. Was college ever on your radar screen at all? You know, at, at one time, I kind of was going through because I had uh, later in life, I had really didn't I had a I, I kind of hit the road after I turned about 16. So I was all about the farm until mm-hmm. I got my driver's license. And then after that, I wanted to I wanted to to go on the road. I mean, literally. Um, <laughs> and that led me to a career in truck driving. But, you know, I, after I kind of got burnt out from that, I did take a course. Um, I, I called it the what what do you want to be when you grow up course <clears throat> and so that was as, right. that was as right. close to and that was at a tech tech school and that was just for a week or two and that was as close as I ever got I thought about going back to school but it just it just never fit me well well you founded Hay Creek uh, Palette back in Jan of 2000 so 20 years congratulations on that going on 21 I guess soon um, but there's a you know about a 20 year gap before you actually did that after you got out of high school give us kind of a thumbnail sketch you said you uh, drove a little bit drove trucks a little bit what other kinds of work did you do I'm sure I'm sure a lot of it involved working on the farm uh, what are other things did you involve you with over that 20 year period well one of the things that I was involved was like I said when I got my driver's license I wanted to drive and yeah. at the time, uh, my dad had done a lot of things other than just farming. So he was a, a farm equipment, Badger farm equipment dealer. He was a Vigortone feed dealer. Mm-hmm. And he moved up to in the ranks uh, in that while he was farming to a field manager position. And so one of the things that he was doing was selling this Vigortone feed. And with that, they needed a protein source. And that protein source was uh, soybean meal. And the soybean meal was out in mm. Minnesota. And even though I didn't have a sh- what was called a chauffeur's license, today would have been considered a commercial driver's license, um, right. my brother graciously said, hey, I, t- I said, hey, I don't have an, uh, a commercial driver's license. He said, well, you can use mine. So <laughs> it didn't have a picture <laughs> on it. So even though he's 10 years older than I was, I'd hit the road with his driver's license in my hand to go get this, this protein source in Minnesota. And therein started my trucking career. Yeah. Yeah. And how long did you do that? I did that until I was old enough to buy my own truck in 1985. I was, I was at 21. You can, you're legal to go out of state. And at 23, I had saved up enough money to make a down payment on a truck. And at that time I became an owner operator. So I was really excited Ah, about that. And, um, that was, uh, that was a real learning experience to have a, have a loan and make payments and basically took my life right. savings at that time and stuck it in this piece of equipment. And, uh, well, it's starting a business, isn't it? Yeah. Really? Yeah. 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 And how many years did you do that? I did that up until 1993. Wow. So, and that's what, okay. that's what led me Ten to the Lord. Years. I had a guy in, in a truck stop in Boise, Idaho that mm. <laughs> was, relentless in talking about the Lord. And, and he basically <laughs> just met him, just met him at a truck stop. We didn't have anywhere to go. And I don't know, one thing led to another. And I was standing there with a cigarette in my hand. I can remember it like it was yesterday. And this guy mm. walks up to me and he said, you know, the Lord took my, took my smoke and took my drinking and took my womanizing. And it's like, Hmm, this guy's reading my mail. 
<laughs> no kidding. And you struck up a conversation and how did that go? It went really good up until the fact that yeah. the guy says, you know, Tom, I, I really sense that you're ready to accept Christ in your life. And wow. at the time I had um, a really a, oh, I don't know what you call it, maybe a disdain for Christians. I just, mm. I didn't like I didn't yeah. like Christian people. I thought they were weak and, and, uh, I wasn't going to let this guy lead me to the Lord. And basically mm. we ended the conversation. <clears throat> I went out to the truck and I can remember sitting behind the wheel and just saying, Lord, <clears throat> I don't know what's going on here, but whatever mm. it is, I'm in. And <clears throat> yeah. wow. from that, from that time forward, I'd like to say that my life changed in that instant, and really it did, but I was a lot of work. I was a work in progress, and I was a lot more work than progress. So, <laughs> Did you ever see him again? No, never saw the guy. guy and, you know, I tried to get a hold of him. I tried to find him the next day. I can remember what who what company he was working for, what kind of truck he was driving. I even, you know, I had tried to reach out to him, and I never, yeah. never saw him again. Think you met an angel, Tom? <laughs> I could have. <laughs> I think the Holy Spirit was working that day. <laughs> he needed to hear that message. He sure was. Well, that's awesome. So, so tell us about the leading up to Hay Creek, and you know, we read a little bit in your bio about uh, founding that. And you saw the opportunity. Was that when you were on the road and and uh, doing a lot of trucking that you came up with uh, the idea and well, and, actually, uh, pursued I, that direction. I, I, I came to the Lord in 85, and shortly thereafter, I, I got married, and shortly thereafter, got divorced. So my okay. life was kind of a little tumultuous, and all the time, <clears throat> making money with a truck meant you were working constantly. Is you know It was my life, and it was the demise of my first marriage. So anyway, about four years later, I remarried uh, to my wife of 26 years mm. today. Or not today, but I mean, 20, 26 years that we've, that we've been married. But right. um, it, it, it was a tough ride. Uh, I, I kind of burnt myself out on, on being on the road. And we had gotten married, and we were uh, attempting to have children. And finally, she talked me into going to the doctor. And the doctor told me that I was going to need to have a surgery in order to mm. be able to have children. And after I had mm -hmm. the surgery... There would be there would be about a forty percent chance that I would ever uh, be able to that she would ever be able to concede conceive mm. and uh, anyway on the very day that I was supposed to have the surgery we found out we were pregnant oh fantastic nothing short of a miracle and I'd been praying <laughs> That's very another one. very hard for it um, and so we were uh, we were both extremely extremely elated and. Um, Mm. Unfortunately, 25 weeks into the pregnancy, there was a problem. And the problem mm. uh, was that she we, we didn't know it at the time, but she had an incompetent cervix. So I was on my way to Massachusetts with a load of cranberry vines, and I had to turn around and come back. And I really, I never oh, went boy. on the road from that point forward. Yeah. Um, I stayed with my wife in the hospital. Our son was born early at one pound, four and a half ounces. And oh my goodness. Wow. So there was so there was a really touch and go. Um yeah. there was two times we came into neonatal intensive care and our our nurse was in tears. 
because mm. she didn't think her son was going to make it through the night. Oh, gosh. So it, it was it yeah. was pretty a pretty tough time for us. Um, but yeah. it drew us together as a couple mm. and really Can drew us closer to God. Yeah. And how many kids today? Is he just your only or have you had others? Four. 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 All right. Great. Did you have the surgery in the no, end? No, I never not? did. Never. You never, never did. had the surgery. <laughs> that's great. So the doctors aren't always right. So that's right. That's right. And, and and of course we had all boys and my wife was a little upset oh, after we had two and then our third was born. <laughs> she was hoping for a girl, but by the time we had our fourth boy, we knew we were done. And so that's <laughs> it. <laughs> Wrap things up. Yeah. So, so tell us about Hay Creek. How did you come to uh, coming up with that opportunity? And was that kind of, you know, made, made the decision, I guess, to stop driving. So you needed to do some sort of work or did you run across uh, that opportunity during your travels? Because you were, you were transporting a lot of crates during that period. I, I, I well, we were doing huh? pallet exchanges. So wh- yeah. when, I, when I got off the road, I kind of expanded Hay Creek Express, the trucking part of it. And it, uh-huh. it was uh-huh. a tough uh, transition to go from a guy that loves trucks and loves trucking to be a guy mm. that owns a trucking company and having yeah. employees. Yeah. And, and basically, I saw an opportunity in the fact that we were doing uh, pallet exchanges at the time. So you would go to a dock with 20 empty pallets that they would take them off and they would put the load on with right. on the pallets. And so it, you always seem to come up on the short end of the stick on that. And so we started repairing pallets and I was really trying to avoid the pallet business. So I, one of my drivers at the time said, Hey, that looks like something that I could do. And so I got him started doing that mm. uh, because I had a customer that had pallets to get rid of. I had another customer that um, needed those pallets. And so we found that niche. I helped him find that niche. Two years into the business, he decided that he really didn't want to do it anymore. And uh, <laughs> one night he had a fire and his place burned. It was totally uh, legitimate. It was by mm. accident. And so that's what got me into the pallet business because somebody had to pick up that business. It was a customer right. that we were hauling right. for. And so, and a customer we were delivering to. And so I just kind of took that. I found a building to go into. Actually, it was a, a, a building that my brother had started a cold storage business in. He had sold it to another guy. I rented some space until I could get some space in a, in a building that I owned. And so we were off and running in the pallet business. So, so today, Hay Creek Companies includes the pallet business and, and also a trucking company too. We discontinued the over-the-road operations in 2007 because the pallet business continued to grow. But from the pallet business, so we were rebuilding these pallets and we were developing a waste stream out of those pallets. And so with that waste stream, you know, what are you going to do with it? We tried to, we were looking for things to do other than burn it. That was not going well at all. We had a couple incidences <laughs> where we were burning our waste wood. I was giving it away for firewood. And then a guy came along with a grinder and said, Hey, I think you could turn this into something more profitable um, and you could do something with that. So I have this mountain of waste. I bought a grinder and we started making colored mulch. Well, wow. that season lasted from spring you know, April until July. And then what do you do after that? Well, then we started grinding it finer to make animal bedding. So that got us into another, uh, basically a niche business of grinding material. And I Mm. had a mountain to get rid of, but then once you get rid of the mountain, you got to feed the, feed the grinder and you've got customers that are looking for product. (laughs) So now I'm going out and looking for other people's mountains of, of waste product. And, And that continues to this day. Uh, in 2015, we put in a wood uh, fuel pellet machine, 
So we make wood fuel pellets out of that waste wood. So now we still have the mulch business, which is a limited market. We have the bedding business, which is a growing market. And now we have wood fuel pellets. So we have, uh, you know, from that waste wood stream, all of this other business that came along. And of course, because I couldn't get enough uh, junk pallets to rebuild, we started making new pallets when when we didn't have any other options. So we bought a machine in 2006, which I still have that machine today, builds about, you know, between six and 800 pallets a day. And then two years ago, I bought a new wow. machine that'll build 2000 pallets a day. So, wow. so that business wow. really kind of took off just by, um, I guess, doing what entrepreneurs do is find a problem and go. solve it. Yeah. Yeah. How many employees today and, and what's kind of the length and breadth of your business? Um, right now, uh, we're at about 40 total employees. Yeah. And so. And is the pallet business regional? Are you supplying nationally? How does that? It's extremely regional. Um, we don't go past generally past about a hundred miles and most of our customers are in the 50 to 75 mile range. But we've been blessed um, with a lot of uh, food grade businesses here in central Mm. Wisconsin. There's a lot of food producing places that do big dairy, a lot of cheese. Yep. Cheese, (laughs) butter, cranberries. There's manufacturing here. We do, we do heat treat our pallets, which makes them eligible to go out of the country. So over half of what we build is heat treated. And so a lot of what's made in our region gets exported at some point. So we have a lot of manufacturing, paper mills are big here. Are, uh, so there's just a, a lot of things, a lot of things going on, a lot of opportunities, and we've really kind of grown our business as the as the industries around us have grown. That's fantastic. Well, uh, we're both C12 members, and for those of our listeners that aren't familiar with C12, it's a uh, Christian business owners advisory group. We're, we're international now. I think we've got close to 3,000 members last time I looked, and about 125 chapters. Uh, you've been involved a little longer than I have. I joined up here in Connecticut in uh, the latter part of 2017. Uh, you know, tell me a little bit and, and speak to us a little bit about how God and you know your your belief in Christ has been involved in the business. So would you consider yourself a faith-based business and you know does that play out in your vision and mission or uh do you do you do that in other ways in terms of how you honor god it's uh it's really um the heart heartbeat and the core of our business Mm. so in 2012 i felt it was at a point in my life when i was felt like am i being called into full-time ministry and as I searched Mm. that prayed through that i i happened to be uh thumbing through a world magazine and I came across an ad for C12. And several months of this, is, this wasn't something that happened overnight, but it was several months that went by. And I keep looking at this and looking and looking and looking. Finally, I, I pick up the phone and make the phone call. And luckily, mm. my, my, uh, my chair had called World Magazine, or had called, seeing the ad in World Magazine, had called C12 before I did. And they said, we don't have a central Wisconsin group. But would you like to start one? Luckily, he took the call to do that because it was shortly thereafter. And I was one of the, you know, in the first year that he was Family doing C12, members, which yeah. is 2012. I got into C12. Yeah. And oh, other than the time that, other than coming to the Lord, nothing has changed uh, my life and business like C12 has. Mm. Um we we rewrote our mission statement, um, which is uh, striving to honor God and all we do, helping people develop, pursuing excellence while growing profitably. Um, our 
our core values are um, grounded in caring, honesty, respect, integrity, social responsibility, and thankfulness. And it's really, uh, it's how we do business. It's how, why we yeah. do business. Um, I have um, come to the fact that I'm no longer the CEO, but the but the uh, chief stewarding officer, the chief CSO. steward officer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right, right. I mean, it, it and, and I'll tell you what, it, it goes back to what I said earlier about um, my seventh grade teacher talking about your influences and influencers and who you hang around with. Um, That's right. Cause these um, 12 guys in our C12 group um, after being in it for so many years and I get to do my core business presentation. I'm looking forward to that in the month of December, which is something right. we get to do on an annual basis yep. being yep. in a C12 yep. group and kind of lay it all out before the group and get godly counsel and not just yeah, once absolutely. a year, but every meeting and in my one-on-ones with uh, Mark Martin is my chair and he, he does a great job. He's got, he just, a. A godly man, and there's just so many benefits that I have gotten uh, received from being in a C12 group. It's just, it's a great yeah, thing. No, I agree with it. I, I kind of consider them my uh, non-executive board of advisors, right? And uh, have never felt that I've gotten better, you know, more insightful, you know, um, advice and leadership and ideas um, because they're they're talking to me from their heart and they're in their hearts a, a Christian heart of brother and sisters that uh, are members there and yeah it's been a major major impact on how I've run my business too that's so great to hear and um, do you have a, a key players group as well are there other people in your organization that are involved in say I do I do and it's yeah. really been a blessing to make us mm. more of a cohesive team. Right, right now, I've right. got two. After the first of the year, I've got three people that'll be in key players. And uh, so I, each month we go through the segments and we implement the things that that uh, that we learn. And uh, it's, right. it's really been a it's an additional blessing to have people in the key, key players group. And for those of you that are listening, key players is kind of the the other members of the team that also meet with other key players, right? I think that's pretty much how it works in your region as well, um, that are, you know, the number two or number three in those operations. And, yeah, what a great way to continue to get consistency and and delivery against your mission and goals. T tell me a little bit about your leadership style. I mean, you know, you were an independent operator. You were an entrepreneur for many years running your own trucking company. And then, you know, you, you, you buy the pallet company and then you start, you know, uh, going into different businesses and you're managing people. Uh, how has your leadership style evolved over time? Oh, it's uh, it's changed a lot over the years. Work in progress. Oh, <laughs> is it ever? <laughs> and, and still to this day, <clears throat> sometimes yeah. it's a it's a daily work in progress and a daily struggle. But you, you know, I, I'm I'm I, I'm really even though I there there probably isn't a day that goes by that I don't think back to my school years and wish that I would have studied more hmm. um, because I've, I've really <laughs> become a lifelong learner. And it seems like the more you learn, the more, you, the more you, uh, the more you learn, you don't know. <laughs> and so right. over the, you know, over time to, to start out with, to be a guy that loves trucks and loves trucking to a, to a guy that's <laughs> running a business and managing. Which is a people. very independent operation, right? Oh, is you're it on ever? the road a lot and yeah. Oh yeah. man, you don't, you know, when you're an owner operator, you don't, you, you know, you're your own boss, you're doing your that's own right. thing and, and it's on your own time frame. 
And I think in the last few years, the biggest thing that I have learned is to delegate. And, and, and sometimes I think that I can delegate and leave it at that. But the one thing that I've learned, because I've lately kind of become a podcast junkie, <laughs> and I love your podcast and I'm learning from them. But, you know, um, things that I've learned in C12 and especially people like Patrick Lencioni, and we've implemented the traction model of, of do, doing business. There's just things that it just continually, continually evolve and how I how I handle people and how I'm really called to have the tough conversations, the crucial conversations, to have uh, to be a coach. You know, one of the things that I thought in the past was, hey, I hired good people. I'm gonna let, I'm gonna step back and let them go. Well, Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady, they're still getting coached. I mean, the greatest great some of the greatest people of all time, they're still getting coached, and so that's really. Um, when I look at my people, um, I, I've got great people. The Lord has blessed me with 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 great people, but they still need uh, every everyone, including myself. And that's where I, the C twelve group comes in. I still need to be coached, and we're we're all a work in progress. But my leadership style is is has changed over the years to to really have a heart uh, for my people and knowing. Uh, from a Christian perspective, the difference that God's made in my life and the difference that he will make in theirs. And, and I, and I, I always want to be a good witness no matter what I'm doing. And believe me, I fall short on a daily basis. But the cool thing is when you evolve to a point where your, your team is not afraid to call you out on things and your team um, says, you know, Tom, I think we could do it better if we did it this way or that way or the other, you know, whatever that happens to be. But being able to delegate is, you know, it, if it, the adage of if I want to have something done right, I got to do it myself. I had to put that aside and just say it may not have been the way that I wanted that I would have done it, but it's getting done and people are learning and growing and there's probably nobody that i know of in business that could have made as many mistakes as that i have and 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 still survive and still learn from them and so it's it's being able to extend um the grace to others that's been extended to me yeah, through the years yeah. and so that's it's really it's really been humbling and uh well, you know, that's that's one of the biggest challenges as an entrepreneur, right? Because, again, you run your own business, you kind of make your own decisions. And then all of a sudden you've got these people working for you. And you go, wait a minute, I want you to do it my way <laughs> instead of doing it your way. So how, how do you know? How do you make that call on, you know, when to micromanage and, and when to stay out of people's way, Tom? Um that's a tough call, and, and it's <laughs> um, it's it's a really tough call because sometimes my yeah. and I and I love it when my people push back and say, "Hey, just just let me take this. I got it. You know, right, right, I, right you know, right. I can handle this." And sometimes it's having the having the faith in people to to make those decisions, but then coming on the backside of that and having the conversations about, so what would this look like if we would have possibly done it different? And, you yeah. know, yeah. when, you know, we've kind of gotten to the point and I've tried to get to this point for a long time, but to the, get to the point where I don't mind you bringing problems and, and I want you to bring the problems and we'll work on them together, um, either individually or as a team. But when you bring me a problem, bring me a solution and see right. what, see, and, and so that we know uh, what direction we can go in to try to make this better. 
What do you look for when you're making bets on the people you invest in and hire? Humble, hungry, and smart. Um, mm. That's the and <laughs> that's I know classic Patrick, Patrick. <laughs> right? Exactly, lots of Patrick, and, and and it becomes a bit of a cliche, but it works if you're if yeah. you're looking for those three things and you get your people on board. That has been the biggest yeah. thing is getting your people on board. We, right. if we're hiring for those three qualities, and they're they they get it, they want it, they got the capacity for it. It's like it's, it's, it just works. And when we hire outside of that nine times out of 10, it's, it's, it, if, if it doesn't turn into that, it, it ends up not working out. And, uh, how do you personally interview and hire? How do you get at that? You know, hungry, hungry, and humble, hungry, and smart. Great, great, you know, characteristics, things that, you know, we look for, but, you know, kind of understanding that, you know, the humility part's probably the easiest, right? Because you can tell someone that you know, maybe is a little bit more full of themselves versus, you know, willing to pass along the credit for the things they've done to others. But, the, you know, the hungry and smart part, tell us a little bit about how you get at that. Well, I think asking the right questions, um, probably if if I had to ask uh, um, a question that would make a difference in an interview is uh, yeah. when's the last time you were able to serve someone and what was it and how did it go? So getting, mm. getting to the point where, you know, if they have a servant, uh, servant hearted Mentality. attitude, yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and then that that's really the, really the place to start. And then asking them questions that they may not have an answer for, and seeing how they handle that. I mean, purposely mm. asking questions and are, are right, they, right. are they willing, are they willing to ask a question? You know, are they willing to sure. say, Hey, I don't have an answer for that, but I can get it for you. Or I'll look into that. I'll, I want to learn that, you know, so there, there's all of that kind of stuff going on. Yeah. Yeah. Great stuff. Well, Tom, you've been very generous with your time, but we've got a couple of last questions for you and it, it's hard not look to the future. Gosh, we've been in this pandemic for, how many months now? Is it nine years? No, nine <laughs> months, but it feels like nine. It does. It sure does. <laughs> Is it ever going to end or, or could it end? We've got a vaccine on the horizon or several of them, so that's good. But, you know, what changes do you think you see ahead? You know, do you think there'll be some permanent changes in your business and, you know, how that's been impacting your customers, et cetera? Do you think we'll kind of go back to a normal or will there be a new normal ahead for us? I think, I honestly think there's going to be a new normal. And one mm. thing that I think we've all learned through this pandemic is to expect any election and that uh, for that matter, um, expect the unexpected. I mean, there's just right. things that are going on that we don't, we didn't, you know, a year ago, we would have never seen this coming. And <laughs> you know, no, it's, it's like, right. expect the unexpected and, and you, you just, you don't know what, what's around the next corner, but uh, being ready for whatever it is that's coming, uh, kind of the one yeah. one day at a time uh, mentality, but having having right. a vision for what 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 could be around the next corner. What 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 do you uh, what to be looking for? Uh, you know, one of the things that we've been talking about in C twelve is our uh, 
KPIs, the key performance indicators and right. leading and lacking yep. indicators and all yep. of that kind of thing and try to get a try to get a better handle um, and get get your business going in real time that you understand, you know, what's happening today and what could happen in the future and what and just to try to try to be ready for whatever that is. Last question we we asked this of all of our guests, Tom, and you know, what career and life advice would you give to someone that perhaps has their eyes on their own corner office or or, or wants to be an entrepreneur like yourself? I think that that my core message would be just to be ready. Uh, what what's yeah. God preparing you for? Um, yeah. <clears throat> my verse from this morning was from James one, two, and three. Um, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And I think that's mm, the one thing yeah. that you have to be ready with is perseverance. What's that look like? Are we in this for right. the long haul? What what's what's God doing? What's He getting me ready for? Everything that's happening yeah. now is getting me ready for something in the future. And I think that's a, the 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 message that I would have is just you know as you look for opportunities, as entrepreneurs look for opportunities, and they're gonna uh, find them. What's that look like? You know, what what are those opportunities? There's if if you're if you're a problem solver, there's going to be new pro- there's new problems coming down the pike every day, and just being ready to to figure out what what can we do to help solve that, and what can we do to help other people, and to be <clears throat> to get to the point where you're other people others centered. I mean, that's part of the humble, hungry, and smart. But to to turn yeah, your focus right. not on ourselves and what's happening in our world, but to, to turn it towards others. And how can we, for us, it's to grow the people that are growing our company. Yes. Tom Gardner, owner, president, and uh, founder of Hay Creek Palette and Hay Creek Companies. Thank you so much for joining me into the corner office. Thank you, Brent. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for listening to Into the Corner Office with Brant Hanley. We hope you enjoyed hearing our guest CEO story as much as we did. If you want to hear more CEOs reveal their journey into the corner office, please subscribe via iTunes and tell your friends and colleagues. For more information about Brant, Resource Options International, and the mighty middle market, visit www.goforroi.com. We look forward to having you join us for our next episode.